we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus of Jesus somebody say Jesus somebody say Jesus in this place we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the name which is above every single name that is named whether it be on in heaven on the earth or under the earth every name has to bow to the one name and that is the name of somebody shout his name that is the name of Jesus Lord Jesus we bow to your kingship this is not a game this is not a club we are the church of the living God our value is priceless people may have put names on us parents loved ones people in authority friends may have put names on us that has caused us so much pain to rob us of our self-worth and our self-value but we do not stand on those names today we have been washed in the precious blood of Jesus and we are without price a value our value is priceless because of who we belong to and this is your house this is the king's church <laughs> this is your church and I thank you Jesus for the, uh, the anointing that the tangible presence of the Holy Ghost I feel right now I thank you for that anointing I thank you Jesus you saw me when I lived on a housing estate in Resolver you saw me when I was in that rock band thinking that was that was my life you saw me when I was painting a window a second story window and a ladder when you spoke to my heart and you said to me when I didn't think I was much when the last thing I thought of was doing what I'm doing now when you said to me I've taken you from the sheep coat to be a shepherd to my people Lord I thank you for your calling and Lord I, I thank you for the privilege of standing in the office of a ministry gift I understand a little bit when Billy Graham was asked to run for president of the United States he replied I do not want to step down for my position as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus 
Lord, I pray this morning there will be a sense of awe as I preach your word. I pray for every single born-again, blood-washed believer here that, that's part of this house, this fold. I pray. I want you to put your hands on your, on your ears. Just put your hands on your ears. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you for a spirit of revelation. Lord, help us to block out our own preferences. Lord, we can, we can become cluttered with our own preferences and bring us back to the Word of God today. Lord, we, we can be influenced by negative, self-ambitioned people that can steer us away from the sincere devotion to Christ. Lord, I pray right now that we will put all that aside, all our hurts, all the people that have hurt us in church, all the stuff we don't understand, all the stuff that's accumulated over the years, all the, all the words that have been spoken, Lord Jesus, this is your house. And so I pray for the people as they listen, that there will be an anointing on their ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to this church. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Somebody better give Jesus a shout in this house. Somebody give him praise. You may be seated. What a joy when I walked in here this morning to see these young people here with their notebooks out. See, sometimes we turn up in church, we've been Christians for 300 years, and we think we know it all, when really we're the ones that know it least. Can we give uh, God praise for these young people right here? For about two weeks now, I have... I have sensed, uh, 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 it, it comes on me on, on, in seasons, and I've sensed a very strong apostolic anointing over the last two weeks. And uh, uh, the Lord uh, shared with me uh, something um, that needs to be shared with this house, and I'm excited about it. Come on, somebody, how many of you are excited to receive the word? Now, this may not be swinging on the chandelier stuff, but there are times when Jesus comes to his house. This is not our house. This is Jesus' house. And we can't live and act as we please. There are guidelines. There are principles that we need to operate under. And so, um, are you ready to receive this word now here? If ever there was a time when Christians needed to be Bible literate, it is today. In a culture and spiritual climate of blurred lines and dense fog, when it comes to addressing issues regarding sexuality and marriage and religion, it seems the lines are blurred, even in the church, we need to stand up to the bully of political correctness in this day. And we need to graciously address these issues and many others 
with our hearts marinated on nothing else than God's Word. You know, I, I was traveling just recently, and, 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 and this is where it started. I thought to myself, my God, in this world that's gone crazy, I thank you, Jesus, for the one stable thing that tells me who I am, where I'm going, what life is all about, and I'm standing on the infallible word of the living God. And do you know what? It's, it's my stability. And do you know, even like um, some of you know that Terry Law and I and uh, a team of um, people went to Iraq recently just before the referendum. Unfortunately, although uh, the Kurds want a referendum, there's so much political stuff going on with Iran and Iraq. And, you know, I, I really feel for the prime minister there. But um, we were asked to go there to speak to... We were invited by, by, the, the, by the Kurdish prime minister to speak to all the Christian leaders in, in Kurdistan um, because he wanted to know what the Christian voice wanted if the Kurds beca it became an independent nation. So we were there for four days. Uh, I haven't got time to go into it, but it was quite interesting. <laughs> and um, uh, we, we presented the prime minister with a 12-point uh, document uh, which he accepted, and he said, we would even change our national anthem. We would even change our flag in order to get a democracy in this region where Christians can have a voice and not be persecuted in the ways that they have. So even right now, keep praying. Um, keep praying. Terry Law has been to the White House even last week. We're trying to get the ear of Donald Trump to get behind these things to support the Kurds. But while we were there, it's quite an amazing thing. Um, it really sobered me because I sat down and talked with this guy here. Do we have a picture up here? Um, he was the Archbishop of, of Mosul. Can we get that picture up? The Archbishop of Mosul. Um, we went to Mosul. You know, ISIS took uh, Mosul for like three years and, uh, and was liberated just before we arrived there. And I had the privilege of sitting down with this guy to, uh, and we asked him, um, uh, it, uh, his opinion, and he said when ISIS came into Mosul, um, he, he uh, shepherds a church of nearly 3,000 people there, and ISIS gave them um, one ultimatum, deny Jesus or die. You can't get clearer than that. And when I'm thinking about this ultimatum, deny Jesus or die, I think about how very often I've got offended as a Christian in church over stupid, silly things. He said, not one of my congregation deny Jesus. Not one. And he said, and he said many, of them, many of them died. Uh, many of them escaped. He said, I was one of them. I was just like, like minutes before my 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 own execution and i'm thinking when i'm talking to these leaders when it comes to the church i am amazed at the widespread ignorance amongst christians on how jesus wants to build his church this is his church and there needs to be a clear apostolic voice spoken into this ignorance, calling believers back to a biblical understanding 
of how Jesus wants to conduct ourselves in his church. This sobering scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writing to a young pastor, instructing him on how Jesus wants his church built. He says, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is not an option. And if, and, and if, if ever, ever there's a group of churches that need to hear this, it's churches in Wales. I've been, I've been pastoring here for over 25 years before Dave took up the mantle. And I'm telling you now, and I've traveled all over the place. Welsh Christians need to wise up and grow up and know up. There's too much church splits in Wales. And, uh, and, 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 and that's why God, really, this has been on me for, for a while now. Uh, and, and this message is a result of me asking Jesus, 20, 30, 28, 30 years ago, when, when God called me to plant this house, what I'm sharing with you this morning is the result of a question I asked Jesus. Jesus, because I had no blueprint on how to build a church. Uh, and in those days, there wasn't, there wasn't much of a pattern. There were one or two, Brian Houston, Ray McCauley, a couple of other guys that were helping me. But I said, Lord Jesus, how do you want to build this church in Newport? And this message was the answer to that question. In fact, it's just a small answer. This is just one aspect of how God instructed me to set up the foundation of this house. And because of such ignorance in the church regarding how Jesus wants to build it, Satan is able to spread his venom of division and dishonor, particularly against God's delegated authority. Particularly, I'll say it again, particularly when delegated authority means Someone has been handed authority on behalf of somebody else. And I want you to stay with me because, you know, some of you, this may be the first time you ever heard stuff like this, but we need to hear it. Satan hates God's order. We've got to understand that we have a real enemy. Satan hates the church. Satan hates everything it stands for. And one of the reasons he hates it is because it's God's order. Satan hates what now hear me. Husbands and wives hear me. Church leaders hear me. Those listening by podcast, pastors, hear what I'm about to say. Because God hate Satan hates God's order in the home. He hates God's order in the church. Delegated authority. This is not something we decided to do. This is something God has called us to be part of. And there's a massive difference. And Satan, because he hates God's delegated authority, whether it's in the home or in the church, he will attempt to remove it. Or if he can't remove it, look... I've been here, I, I was pastoring here for 25 years, 
and I can, I, can, I, I can name you, I don't know how many times, where Satan tried to remove me. Because he hates God's delegated authority. But I'm still here. Come on, somebody say amen. I'm still here. And I've never been so passionate. Dave and I, we've, we have conversations. You and we, we fire each other up. I, Dave ends up laughing his head off when I start talking. We start laughing because, because you know, because God sit. You know what? When God looks at the devil's pathetic attempts to stop what he's doing, the Bible says God sits in heaven and laughs. Come on, somebody say amen right here. Amen. Nothing can separate me or you. From the love of God that is in, greater is he that is in you than he. So, yeah, oh yeah, he tried. He tried. He hates God's delegate. He hates it. And uh, uh, he, he will attempt to remove delegated authority. Or if he can't do that, watch this. And this is what's happening. He will attempt to devalue. He will, he will attempt to devalue God's delegated authority in the home and the church. And in my experience of nearly 40 years in the ministry, I've discovered that Satan will attempt to remove delegated authority in four ways. First of all, he will attempt to do it through the spirit of witchcraft. And, that, and by doing that, he's trying to control the leadership. Through a spirit of witchcraft is, a, is not a demon. It's a work of the flesh. And uh, it's a, a, if you're in a relationship where, if you're in a relationship where one person wants to control the whole thing, uh, you, you, you need to pray. Come on, somebody say amen here. And especially in the church. I've had, in my 25 years here, I, I, do you know the one thing I don't know a lot, Right? But one thing I do know, one thing I do know, I can say with the Apostle Paul, I've been appointed by the command of God. And Dave knows less than me, and he can stand up, and he can stand up. He can, what is it, what is it that causes us? What is it that causes me and Dave to be in a relationship like this and, 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 and ministering to What is it we both can stand up and say here that we've been appointed by the command of God? Now, there are many times. See, that's why there are many times when I've wanted to run away. There are many times when Dave has wanted to run away. But do you, you know the reason why we can't run away even though we want to? is because we've got nowhere to go. Because when you are called of God, appointed by the command of God. And if any minister cannot stand up and say that, then he needs to get his life sorted out. Oh, well, the people think I'm a great preacher. Well, the people thought I would be. No, forget, you're not called by the people. Because if you're called by the people, then you'll have to be dictated to by the people. And, I, and Dave and I would be the worst shepherds in the world if we listened to what the group said instead of what the shepherd says to our hearts. So a spirit of witchcraft will seek to control the leader. If that doesn't work, he will send a spirit of Jezebel 
seeking to intimidate the leader. And the, these are, the, this is not only biblical, but it's also something that I've experienced in the ministry and still do. But at least the Bible, what did Paul say? Do not be ignorant regarding the devil's schemes and tricks. So, so you know, we, we, I'm a bit wiser to this stuff. Then if that doesn't work, he will try a spirit of Absalom seeking to undermine the leader. And I'll speak a little bit about this later on. Because the spirit of Absalom is very subtle. Especially in local churches. And the, first, the fourth one is the spirit of Lucifer, which will seek to usurp the leader. But whatever way it is, Satan has one plan, and that's to uh, remove God's delegated authority, whether it's in the home or in the church. If you're still with me, somebody say amen right here. So... Uh, the most, uh, let me just mention, you know, I've been, I, I, in my 25 years pastoring here, I've experienced all four of these in, in, in different measures and in different ways. And some of you that have been with me on the journey here over those years, you, 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 re, you remember those times. But the most difficult one to detect is the spirit of Absalom. Let me just give you a little background here. David had a son called Absalom. David was the God-appointed king. And Absalom, his son, was very charismatic, very good-looking, very affable, very, you know, people would love him. And he would sit at the gate of the city, and people would come, and Absalom would say, where are you going? And, and, uh, and they would say, we are going to see King David because we need to resolve a conflict. And Absalom would say, you know, he's very busy right now, and do you know what? He really isn't in touch with the people like I am. So, so share your problem with me. And then, and then, see, Absalom means a stealer of men's hearts. That's what it means. And, and, so, and so instead of going to the king, Absalom would undermine the authority and, and say, no, no, come to me. And then more people would go to Absalom. And in the end, uh, his pride would be puffed up because he wasn't called or delegated. And he would think, wow, the people really like me. The people think I'm great. My gifting is great. I mean, they're coming to me. And, and, so, and so then he would say, well, you know, you know, we should set up something of our own. And I've seen that happen uh, here. Uh, and it's, it's, very, it's very difficult to detect because you, 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 see, you see a young leader and you, uh, and you, see, and you see the potential uh, that they could be a blessing to this house. And, and, uh, and subtly, you know, you, you know, as a father, you see, as a father, you, you pour your heart into their lives as a father, but they don't receive it as a son. They have a hidden agenda. So whether the father's heart is to, and it'll always be that way. You see, that's why Dave, that's why Dave and I have a, a very special relationship. I mean, people, senior ministers who come here, they say they've never seen such a spirit of, a spirit of honor. It's very rare to see. I respect Dave. Dave respects me. And, and the thing is, I poured my life into this young man for... Um, for a long time, 
Uh, I remember, yeah, 20 odd years, and I remember Faye when she was a, a go-go dancer up here on the stage. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and he, he has received, now I've had other young men, I've had other young men I thought were sons. And I poured my stuff into them, but they were Absaloms. And I'll share this a little bit later. See, the, the church, do you know what? You will be responsible, sheep, for what shepherd you follow. There, there, there is an accountability not just for the leader, but also for the followers. This is why we need to be wise. This is why we need to know how to conduct ourselves in the house of God. So, 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 uh, so an Absalom will appear loyal to you, but all the while they're undermining you to others. If anybody comes to you and starts undermining Dave to you, it's an Absalom. It's a spirit. Come on, some of you little tinkers. Look at him out there. Oh, no, sometimes you need a slap. Oh, yeah. And so this is a spirit. I'm a spiritual slapper. I think I'll rephrase that. Uh, <laughs> shut it. <laughs> See, an Absalom will appear to be loyal to you, but all the while they're undermining you to others. Watch this. With the intention of stealing their hearts. I've seen it here. We've had one or two... Uh, leaders that I poured my life into, they, that's fine. And, but at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, what God has planted, what God has placed, will just keep on going. And I'll say a little bit, uh, yeah, Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, well, just start a group and call it a church and do the best you can. When a builder wants to build a house, he has a specific design in mind and a specific craftsman to make it a reality. The ignorance I find regarding the principles and the people Jesus has instituted to build his church. The ignorance amongst Christians uh, regarding the principles and the people Jesus has instituted to build his church is breathtaking. Such ignorance has provided a weak, divided, insipid version of what Jesus really intends. Martin Luther, we are celebrating 500 years where a man called Martin Luther revolutionized the church of his day. 500 years ago, the church in Europe was full of corruption and manipulation and heresy-filled leadership. And the reason why the church was in such a state, listen to me very carefully, the reason why the church was in such a corrupt state, very simple, it was because of ignorance. You want to underline in the New Testament every time Paul the Apostle said, I want you to know, don't be ignorant. The church needs you know, do you know what the charismatic church needs most? A brain. They don't need more giftings. They don't need more celebrity. They don't need more razzmatazz. The church needs to know up before it can grow up. 
And the church just needs to think and to look at what the Bible says about something. And um, in his day, Martin Luther's day, the, the Word of God was not available for mass consumption like we have today. Uh, the few priests who did read the Bible and preach it did so through a perverted Latin translation of the Greek text. When Martin Luther studied the Greek New Testament, he was horrified to realize how far the church was from how Jesus intended it to be. And one day he nailed a 95-point list of areas needing radical adjustment to the door of the church, which unknown to him at the time, changed Christendom forever. I believe with all of my heart, 500 years later, there was a need to revisit the New Testament to discover how Jesus wants to build his church. Can I hear a massive amen right here? Especially, watch this now, I'm only, I'm, th this is just one area that Jesus revealed to me 20 odd years ago on how he wants the church built. And the, and the ignorance, I've mentioned it earlier, but the ignorance particularly concerning delegated leadership. There are many, and I understand this, I've been here myself. There are many who, because they've been hurt, and because they've been disappointed, when you start talking about biblical submission to delegated authority, they just see it as control. And I understand that. Because you're not responding biblically, you're not responding revelationally, you're responding emotionally. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. So, they, so, so what happens when we, when, we, when we get into that mode? We will throw off restraint, and then we'll walk around. See, now we don't want to be part of any local church. We don't want to, we don't want to submit to the local leadership or the, where God's placed us. We are now part of the universal church. I've seen it. Oh, I'm just, I, I just, I'm just part of the universal church. The church without walls, the church without boundaries, the church without, without, without that stuff. We, we are free to worship where we want. We, we, we are free to go wherever we go. We, we, we are free to worship when we want to commit to one local church to them. And this is why God is bringing this thing back into order for those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Because whenever God talks about submission, it's not talking about superiority. It's talking about safety. You see, the hurt sheep see it, see it as superiority, but, but the teachable sheep see it as safety. And so, and so it's very interesting you know, you know, you know, people like that, and I have been there myself. I've been deceived myself. I've been ignorant myself in this area. And so to commit to one local church to someone like that is restrictive and unbiblical. Well, we are part of the universal church. Well, I, I, you know, you're obviously very ignorant regarding what Jesus has to say about building his church. It's very interesting that Jesus likens his church to sheep and shepherd. 
I mean, do your own study. He likens the church to a sheep with a fold of a shepherd with a fold of sheep. It's very simple analogy. He said to Peter when he recommissioned him, feed my sheep. Shepherd and sheep. You know, we are under shepherds of the chief shepherd. Uh, 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 you know, the, the, the stuff that I saw that really blew my mind. No responsibility for a shepherd, for a shepherd. See, David, David is your shepherd. And he's got the perfect name for it. That was a joke, everybody. <laughs> David, the shepherd. Perfect. Never thought of that, Dave. So David, David is your shepherd. I, for 25 years, I was the shepherd of this house. Now, I'm, I have a different role now. I'm standing in that role now as a spiritual slapper. I'm standing in this role now. See, I said, I said Dave is your father. I'm your grandfather. That means I can come and just spoil you and leave the mess to him. Do you know what I'm saying? Send you back home. Guys, I know this is a, a, like a, a, a real sort of a exhortive message, but are you receiving this this morning? Okay, watch this. So, so for a shepherd, two things are important. For a sheep's safety, the shepherd is concerned, and using Jesus' analogy, the shepherd is concerned with the sheep's safety and survival. Okay? So, so in order for that to happen, uh, he needs, he needs the, the, the sheep needs uh, to be safe and survive. The sheep are to be safe and grow, or to be safe and healthy, uh, the sheep needs a shepherd and a fold. No responsible shepherd would let his sheep wander, or no responsible shepherd would be too lazy to build a protective area with walls or fences so he knows that the food they're eating is good food, and the enclosure of the fold protects them from themselves. Come on, somebody say amen. Because that's why God called you sheep. And all the sheep said, there you go. <laughs> Watch this now. Stay with me. You, uh, you need to listen to this podcast because you're not going to get it all, right? Watch this. So to live with the deception that the church is without walls would be to undermine everything Jesus said regarding how his church should be built. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. When Ananias and Sapphira tried to enter the local church in Jerusalem with a hidden agenda, watch this. When Ananias and Sapphira wanted to enter the church with a deceptive heart, they were faced with a wall, a protective wall in the, in the form of Peter, using the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Come on, son. That's how much Jesus loves his church. And so when you come up against strong leadership, not controlling leadership. See, if your heart is, if there's something going on, if you're disgruntled, very often you'll see, you'll see a, a strong leader as a controlling leader. No, you, that's not the problem. The problem's with your heart. You don't. You don't like to be told what to do. 
Yeah, try that in, the, in, the, in your house with the kids. Hello? We're talking delegated authority here. Well, I don't... What? I'm telling you. You're talking about... Yeah, if you've got kids, yeah. Uh, are, you, are you a controlling parent? No! <laughs> Shut up! No, I'm just saying. So, watch this. Are you still with me here? You see, delegated authority... A shepherd guarding its flock. A shepherd guarding his flock. One of the most miserable existences is when a Christian sits in their local church, disrespecting, disagreeing, and being disgruntled with the leadership. Now, some of you are thinking, Ray, what's going on here? Nothing's going on. This, there's nobody here like that. I'm just saying, I'm just, I, I don't know why God's given me this message, but I honestly believe God wants this church to be mature, healthy, grown up. Come on, somebody say amen. And set a standard and, and be an example to the church in Wales. One of the most miserable existence is when a, a Christian sits here disgruntled, disagreeing, and disrespecting. And there are three reasons why People attend church with these attitudes. One, rebellion. Call it for what it is. I'm not doing that. Well, you're in for a rough ride, baby. And you can go to another church. And you can sit there and they can pat you on the back and they can stroke you and say, oh, you weren't appreciated in that other church. Yeah, well, give it two months in that church that you're in. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, some of you, sometimes you need to be told, shut up and do it. Is this too straight for you? Is this too, is this too deep for you here? Shut up and do it. Yeah, well, I got, just shut up. I'm your shepherd. I'm responsible for your souls. Trust me. Trust me. And, and, and if, you, if uh, you know, so rebellion is one. Uh, another one is offense. <laughs> oh, Welsh people, bless your hearts. Oh, you get so easily offended, don't you? My God, you're a living Mosul, I'm telling you. You talk about offense? You know, I, I used to tell people, look, if you've been coming here for three weeks and you've not been offended yet, come and see me personally. I'll do it to your face. Let's get it over with. Look, look if, you, if you think you're going to go to find a church where you won't be offended, you're living in flipping Lululand. Do you know what surprises me? Before these Christians, the offended Christians, right? Oh, I didn't shake my hand. Oh, I was overlooked. Oh, I don't You know what? Before they were saved, they go down the pub. They get, they get smashed, right? Someone starts a fight, right? Or, or someone tells them something. Uh, uh, when it's all over, I say, hey, do you want a pint, mate? And they get on with it. They don't go for six hours of counseling because of the... Come on, somebody say, what's happened to us? What happens to us when we become Christians? Where we need six hours of counseling because the pastor told them to shut up. <laughs> Give me a break. Come on, are you listening to what I'm saying? Have we forgotten our brains? Anyway, <laughs> moving along. Uh, but the third one, the reason why m many Christians sit in the church offended is because of m ignorance. Now, God's grace can deal with rebellion and offense, 
God's revelation and truth can deal with ignorance. In other words, there is no excuse to sit in any local church rebellious, offended, or ignorant. Grow up and get on with it. To grow healthy in the local church, there are two things you must not be ignorant of. Now, please, I'm, I'm going to try and wind this up. We're okay for time, Dave. We're all right for time. Um, are you okay for listening here? Are you okay? Okay, watch this. So, so, so there's two things. If you go to, if you attend a church, if you, if you think this is my home, not for three weeks, whenever you go to a church, you know, you make the decision, for, unless God t tells you to move to another country or your job change or, right, right? When you go to a church, you say, this is where I am for life. Otherwise, you've got an exit plan. Oh, you know, if I get offended, I can always go. No, you're useless to God. I'll say it again, useless, always loved by God, but useless to building something that can change the society. So, so th th there are two. first of all, you must not be ignorant regarding the system of government to protect you. Now, I am going to time to go into that. There are four or five different church governments that I looked at, and there's another whole teaching. But, but some people just join a church without knowing nothing about it. That's why it's so open here. Any questions you need to know about the government of this church, you just ask. I think we have meet, meet the, the pastor night or something. What do they call it? Meet the, church. Meet, the, yeah. meet the church. Yeah, we have nights where you can come up and you can ask those questions. Right? So, so you know, people join churches without knowing nothing about the history Nothing about the government, and nothing about, anyway, the, the second one is, watch this, right? Two things you must not be ignorant of when, you, when you're in the church. One, the system of government to protect you, watch this, and you must not be ignorant, the gift that God has sent you to perfect you. Receiving and honoring Jesus' gift to you as a shepherd is an absolute imperative. His gifts, I'm going to say this, his gifts, and Dave is his gift to you. Dave Edwards, supported by his beautiful go-go dancing wife, Faye, watch this, and you got to get this. You, you better get this. Is Jesus' gift to you. Now, we need to understand this. Right? Jesus' gifts are the only means he uses to build the local church. Only means. It's not the music. I love Gary Clark. Gary Clark is the Hillsong pastor in London. And they were having trouble in the worship team. And, uh, and you know, there were some prima donnas there and they wanted this and wanted that. So, uh, and the choir were acting up, and well, we are this. So he fired everybody. <laughs> Next week, we're having, we're, having, we're having four people up there. And nobody said to one worship leader, he said, your job description is not in the New Testament. Mine is. Shut up. <laughs> Jesus does not build the church on a worship leader. And he doesn't build the church on a youth leader. He doesn't build the church 
on a, a children's worker. He doesn't build the church on a greeter. He builds the church with ministry gifts that will feed you and teach you. You've got to understand this. You must understand this. You know, I could tell you loads of stories. I'm not going to. So, no, I'm not going to. I've got time. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Watch this. This is Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Watch. Apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. These are people. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are manifestations. The gift of the Father are, are, are like a, a, a general sort of like administration, hospitality. But the gifts of Jesus are people. These are people. And, and, and why has he given them to the church? Their responsibility. And Dave and I take this very seriously. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. Are you still here? And build up the church, which is the body of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. All together are Christ's body. No problem with that. We're all Christ's body. We've all got gifts and we're all... But, but there's an order. And each of you is a part of it. If you, are t if, you, if you feel this is your home, you should be involved somewhere. Because you have a gift to contribute. Right? Watch this. Here are some of the parts God has appointed. God has appointed to the church. First are the people. First are the apostles, prophets, teachers. And he says, then, after all that, a bit low down on the list, are the ones that perform the miracles. Come on, somebody, say amen. We, 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 what we've done, we've celebrified the ones that do the miracles, and we've devalued Jesus' priority for the church, which is the people he's called to build the church up, his gifts. Man, there's three hours there, but I'm going to move on. Now, watch this. Watch this. I, I, I'm, are you okay here? Are you okay? Listen, watch this now. Now, so, so Dave is, Dave, supported by his wife, Faye, is a gift to this church. Now, I'm not saying it. Dave didn't ask me to say this. He hadn't paid me for this. He's very embarrassed right now. I, I had to say this about myself when I was pastoring the church. I didn't care. You know why? Because it's not about me. It's about what he says. It's what about he says. Now, now a gift. Let's use the concept of the gift, okay? Okay? A gift is, the, is a declaration of affection. When you give a gift to someone, unless you have a hidden agenda, if you give a gift to someone, okay, it's a declaration of affection. Listen, every time Dave stands up here, to minister the word of God, it's a visible demonstration to you as a church of how much he loves you. Now, you've got to get that. Man, I don't like his trousers. Man, I don't like the way that he said. It's irrelevant. Grow up. 
What if your kid come to you and says, I don't like the way you poured my milk. I'll pour the stuff over your head if you don't shut up. Eat it. Why are we like that in the home and different in the church? Come on, somebody. You're a bunch of hypocrites. That's what we are. Give me a break. Do you know what happens to us, Mike? A gift, a gift also takes thought. You don't buy your wife a cement mixer for Christmas. There are some women that would love that. <laughs> and there are some men that would say, Hallelujah! Oh, look at this bunch of flipping. Oh, look at this. Look at these screwdrivers. They go over in different. Oh, thank you, darling. Yeah, I understand. Thank God for women like that. You're not right, Noah. Anyway, so, so in relation, in relation, <laughs> I'm not going to do Noah's DIY skills. You do not want to know. They're worse than mine. Watch this now. A gift takes thought in relation to the person's needs. Jesus took great thought when he placed Dave as a gift to you. He actually thought about it before he made the world. I want this to hit you, man. In, G in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, but even before, Paul was saying, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. The first thing on Jesus' mind when he rose from the dead was his gift to this church. Gal Ephesians 4, verse 8 when he ascended to the heights, he led of a, a crowd of captives, watch, and he gave gifts to his people. So the first thing on his mind when Jesus rose from the dead were people like Dave, when he thought of Newport, when he thought of the King's Church, I'm not talking about any other church now, I'm talking about this one, right? The first thing he thought of was Dave for you. Come on, you need to give Jesus some praise. In the, you need it. Now watch this. It gets better. It gets better. Uh, the gift, talking about the gift, the gift is the choice of the giver, correct? The choice of the gift has nothing to do with the receiver. The gift does not choose who he wants to be sent to, and the receiver doesn't choose the gift to receive. Come on. It's all up to Jesus. Dave did not choose to be here. Believe me, I'm telling you. When God called me to plant this church, we were talking about it this week, right? When, right? I thought I'd be here six weeks. I traveled the country looking for a pastor to pastor you. Do you think I, I didn't want to, I did not want to pastor this church. Now, please receive that in the right way. I'm telling you, you know, I was around the country, no. And then finally I realized it wasn't my choice. I am not here by choice. I'm here by calling, appointed by God. And Dave is not here by choice. He's here because he's been appointed by the command of God. Now, this is very interesting. Dave didn't choose to be sent to this church as a gift to this church. So it's very important that this church receives Dave as one whom Jesus knows this church needs. Now, I'm telling you, when we transitioned the church, 
there were other people who thought, no, no, I'm the one this church needs. What? No, sorry. You may be very gifted and very charismatic and very whatever, but at the end of the day, the only way Jesus is going to build this church is with the gifts he's decided to give. And that is Dave Edwards. Somebody say amen right here. Watch this. Now, this is the wonderful, the, right? This, is, this blew me away. And when I share this with pastors around the world, it, it really is amazing. You know when it says that Jesus gave gifts to the church? Okay? Uh, I, I studied the context of Ephesians chapter 4, and, uh, and, and I discovered something amazing. You know, we can receive gifts in the post, and that's great. But when someone comes up to you, looks you in the eye, and says, I love you so much, I, I, I want to give you this. There's something different, something special about when somebody turns up and personally delivers it. In the context of Ephesians 4, where Jesus says, I'm giving you a gift, church. Do you know what? That's the, con the word is doma. It's only used twice in the New Testament. And the implication is, Jesus turned up to this church, say, hi, church. Listen, uh, I want to bless you with this gift. Dave was personally chosen and personally delivered by Jesus to you. Now, that deserves a clap. I tell you right now. I'm nearly through. I'm nearly through. Dave, are we okay for time? Yeah. What about the kids? Are they all right over there? They're in the freezer. It's okay. What's this? A gift can be rejected for whatever reason. A gift can be rejected. A gift cannot be enjoyed until it's received. In fact, Jesus was rejected. He was God's gift to the nation of Israel. And, it, and the Bible says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. So that, that doesn't affect him. He'll just, uh, that no, the ministry will carry on whether you reject it or not. Just keep on going. And, and I'm going to finish with this. How can you recognize that you're sitting under a gift from Jesus? Very important. This is why so many Christians get hurt. Because they sit under someone who say, I'm called of God. And they, they're called by themselves. They call by themselves. Now, I haven't got time to go into this, but when you go home, I want you, when I asked Jesus, I said, Lord, it's all right for me to do this, but how can the people know? How can they be secure that they're sitting under a true gift? You know, because I've been hurt myself with this stuff. So how can I, t and, and the Lord showed me, when you go home, you want to read Luke chapter 10, when he sent out 70 people to minister in his name. He delegated authority to them, okay? And I read it. And the Lord gave me, I, I won't have time to do, to do all this now, but, but a ma major one. There, there, were, there, there were 15 characteristics you can recognize in someone who's a gift from God to you. That's how important it is. Do you know what? Luke chapter 10, we'll just put one or two verses up. Luke chapter 10, look at this. Now the Lord chose... They're chosen. He didn't say, hey, Jesus, hey, I'm ready to go. No, he chose them. So, so, so Dave is God's choice. So, so watch this. So, so the Lord ch chose 72 other disciples, and he sent them. What, now, this is so powerful. The, the one thing you will know that you're sitting under a gift is 
First of all, they're chosen by God. They don't choose themselves, and they will be sent. The disciples, when they went out to minister, if they were stopped and said, excuse me, who sent you then? They had a reference point. Jesus sent us. So when you sit under any leader in any church, the first thing you've got to know is who sent them. Check their history. Come on, somebody, talk to me, say amen. Check their history. Do they have a father? Watch this. Jesus, even Jesus himself submitted to this principle. As the father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus had a father who sent him. I declare to you in Jesus' name, Dave has a father, that is me. He has a spiritual dad under, under the real dad. And, and so, so when, when anybody asks Dave, well, how, co how come you're leading the King Church? My father sent me. Come on, somebody. Say amen here. You've got to check it out. They, 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 they was, see, ministry gifts are sent. They, not, they don't just went. John said of some, of some ministers, they were from us, but they weren't of us. And there are people um, um, in Newport and other parts that they, they may be from us, but they're not necessarily of us. They may have left and started something, but, but not, with, not with hands laid on them, but boots laid in them. And it's a very different thing. And I'm really, really serious here. Because it's, you don't mess with Jesus' church. Uh, in other words, they went and they weren't sent. They didn't have our approval. Um, there, there are some who were from us, but not of us. I've seen this happen here. Young leaders I trusted with responsibility. But instead of being faithful to another man's work. I want, you, I want you to let this set, set. No problem in someone setting up, going and planting a church from nothing. But when you work in a church like an Absalom, and then set up another work, you've been unfaithful to another man's work. It's fine. And God will bless them and loves them, and he blessed the word that's been preached, but, but it won't really amount to anything of influence. Because you have to be sent. Come on, somebody say amen. This is the way Bible does it. Uh, okay. Uh, 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 oh, I love this. Uh, we probably finish with this then, okay? Uh, instead of being faithful to another man's work, they use their position to devise their own exit plan. Always a hidden agenda. See, Judas never called Jesus Lord. He always had an exit plan. G Judas never called Jesus like Father. He pretended to be like that, but he was... Watch this. Uh, when, when you're sent correctly... When you send correctly, in the correct way, you will walk in Jesus' authority. Watch this. In verse 16, I don't, I'll read it to you. Anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. When Dave gets up here and preaches, now, you need to check out what he's saying, that it's in line with the Word of God, of course. But if he's preaching what's in line with the Word of God, then... It, you need to accept it as if Jesus was standing here himself. Because that's what delegated authority is. Watch this. Anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is also rejecting me. Oh, that's control. 
No, no, I'm just saying what Jesus said. It's, co it's called order and wisdom. Now, they're rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. See the order? Delegated authority in its essence, even Jesus. Okay, I'm going to go. This is, I'm going to finish. Number two, they will not be loners. They will sent out two by two. They will be related to others. They will be people of prayer. Pray the Lord of the harvest. They will have a heart to see others released. Send laborers into the harvest. They will be motivated by love and not selfish ambition. I send you out to sheep amongst wolves. They will not be hirelings. Carry neither money or purse with you. They will uh, be single-minded. Greet no one along the road do not be discouraged move on they will be content whoever city you enter eat as such that is set before you they will be powerful i give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all this is not authority versus power no, listen, this, this is not power versus power. This is authority versus power. And I'm telling you, gifts of God, we have authority over all the power of the enemy, no matter what power he uses. Very quickly, number 10, they will be preachers of the gospel, preach the kingdom of God. Number 11, they will be uncompromising. Whatever city you enter, if they don't receive you, shake the dust off. They will be joyful, and they returned with joy. They will be humble. Don't rejoice over the ministry. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. They will be childlike. Father, I thank you. You've hidden these things from the wise and revealed them unto babes. And finally, they will be divinely protected. Nothing will by any means hurt you. Somebody give praise to God. Come on, give him praise in this house. Musicians, just come right here. Just stand with me right now. Well, if you really have received the word of God this morning... I really want to sh give Jesus the appreciation and the joy. Come on, give him a big clap in this house right here.